Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means, I don't know, for, for this place, it was, today was a fairly normal day. On Thursday, we did have a chance to chat with the newest Commanders, including quarterback Jacoby Brissett. Um, speaking of Jacoby Brissett, I had a chance to chat with our Cleveland Browns insider, Zach Jackson, at, at Action, uh, sorry, at Akron Jackson on Twitter uh, to get his view of Jacoby Brissett. He, was, of course, covered him last year, some trying circumstances as Brissett was brought in to be sort of the, you know, um, emergency fill-in quarterback with Deshaun Watson suspended. So we got Zach's view of what Washington's getting. If he's surprised um, about the money, what, what, you know, what kind of quarterback he is, what kind of a locker room guy is all that. So we'll get to all that in a few moments here on the standard room only podcast. But I do also want to share with you guys kind of just like a quick view of where we are with Washington, you know, almost a week into free agency here. Um, so I'll do that in a second, uh, for the podcast, of course, make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. And, uh, of course the athletic as well. It feels like we've been writing a lot this week, uh, because there's obviously been a ton happening, uh, and I'll have a new story up Friday morning about the quarterback situation. I guess I will just say, I'll just sort of tease it to say, It is a it is it is weird to look at this situation both optimistically and skeptically and be reasonable to do so both ways. And I think that's what I tried to do here with this situation with Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howe. Um, in any event, and of course you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Standing, and you know I definitely appreciate when everybody's uh, has a moment to drop a rating and a review on iTunes or Spotify. And uh, needless to say, I, I greatly appreciate everybody just constantly checking out the podcast, hitting, hitting me up on Twitter. It is um, greatly appreciated for sure. All right, let's, let's just go through the positions here uh, just briefly. I'll, I'll probably have more uh, on this on the website next week. But obviously at quarterback, Jacoby Brissett joins Sam Howe. I, I would imagine a third quarterback comes at some point. Uh, I don't know if that's elevating Jake Fromm or drafting somebody on day three. Um when we spoke, to, but anyway, but when we, that's not the story, of course. Uh, the story is, you know, who's going to start a quarterback? I, I I can't say that like there's been any statement or, or view of this from the team one way or the other, other than to say Sam Howe, I believe, is still being viewed as that guy. Now, when we started all this in January, you know, the way I was looking at it and talked to you guys about this, it, you know, I, I just skipped past the big money guys and went straight to the kind of level that we're talking about here. Somebody who's a sort of a spot starter, but backup type guy that would make the most sense. Um, once they declared Sam, Howe was going to be, you know, essentially QB one entering uh, the off season, but Brissett and Andy Dalton were the two names I've always been saying, boy, that's going to be tougher to control a competition because those guys in theory, should beat out Sam Howell based on experience. That is unless Sam Howell just crushes it, which is of course the best case scenario uh, because of his, you know, the upside, his youth, his salary, and that he's on the books through 2025 as a cheap quarterback. That would be amazing for sure. Um, 
Brissett today did not give us any indication as to whether he thinks he's the starter or the backup, but I guess it feels like he is going to, you know, enter camp behind Hal. But we'll see. We, you know, we, we haven't talked to Rivera about this. Uh, we will presumably get Rivera at the owners' meeting later this month. I will be there, of course. There, there will be bigger news to deal with than uh, who's starting at quarterback <laughs> at that. But nonetheless, that will be something to keep an eye on. So, all right, running back. Obviously, they released J.D. McKissick this week. You know, obviously, hopefully J.D. is okay, whatever he chooses to do. As far as what they do from there, you know, as I've told you guys before, my view is if Ron Rivera is going to claim that when Brian Robinson got hurt, they kind of had to go off the run game, but they want to be a running team, then then they need a third back to be that guy. Um, Antonio Gibson can catch plenty of passes. I don't think they have to get a J.D. McKissick replacement. Now, you also have Jared Patterson, and I'm not saying you can't add that guy, but I'm just saying, to me, it would not be anybody you're spending any real kind of money on. It would be a very cheap free agent or some kind of uh, draft choice. And, and you know, in terms of the draft choice, let's not forget that Antonio Gibson isn't entering the final year of his contract, right? So we'll see where that goes. Uh, that's a whole other topic for down the line. So, yes, I can see them adding another running back, but I would, wouldn't would expect it to be any kind of, I don't want to say notable name, because, you know, we'll have to see how the market unfolds. I just don't see them making a big investment at this point into that, um, for sure. Now, wide receiver. Okay, so they added Marcus Kemp, you know, a few weeks ago, right after uh, Eric Bieniemy showed up, a Chiefs wide receiver. When you factor in Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dodson, and Deami Brown, that would be four. If they keep six, the two other guys were Cam Sims and Dax Mills. Dax Milne, I already hear everybody here saying get rid of Dax Milne. I get that. But, it, I mean, should they, you know, sh- should that be the way to go? But that's about a returner. Uh, so they'd have to get somebody to do that. doesn't have to be a receiver, of course. could be any position. Um so we'll see, but like I don't know, you know, unless if you're keeping Cam Sims, then you either are saying Dax Milne is gone, and or you know, or he's not really a seventh receiver; he's just your punt returner, or you're getting a punt returner at a different spot. Just you know, in general, carrying seven receivers, they did do it recently, but it's not the norm. So I'm, I'll be curious to see what happens to Cam Sims. He's been a valuable player, of course, uh, especially on special teams the last few years, but um, you know. I think that will, I mean, I'm not saying Marcus Kemp is a lock to make the team. I'm just saying if, if the enemy is going to have some of his guys around, you would think a lean would go then towards one of those guys, the tight end position. Uh, okay. So, you know, based on what Rivera was saying back in uh, at the combine, it really seemed like they were in on keeping the group that they had, which sort of seemed a bit odd to me, but they, you know, if, if they believe that Logan Thomas showed some, some, uh, better mobility later in the year as he got you know further and further away from the uh, ACL surgery. I mean, that's a good thing. Uh, and I know that they really are intrigued by Armani Rogers, Cole Turner. Uh, they, you know, um, uh, Austin Hodges has been mentioned. Um, you know, a guy who was uh, on the on the on IR last year, um, but you know, showed some good things in camp. I totally get it. I just, you know. It, between Logan Thomas's big cap hit and the cap savings you could get, it's it's roughly 
eight million hit, five million savings. It's not exactly that, but close enough. Um, that that would be something to consider. But and also, this is a pretty deep draft. It looks like, but at the moment, it appears like they're going to stay with what they have. So that's what we, you know, that's all I can say to you guys on that at the moment. Uh, offensive line. Uh, okay, so this is obviously where there's been a bunch of movement and could be some more. Today, uh, you know, this week they add Andrew Wiley, uh, right tackle from the Chiefs, another one who today would not really give us any insight as to how he thinks he'll be used. But my understanding is he would be the tackle with Sam Cosme moving to guard. Um, and then does I mean just to say with tackle, so you'd have Leno, you would have. Wiley, you would have Lucas, and I guess, you know, Le- uh, Cosme is, is, is a fourth guy for you there um, if needed. I, I I don't think, I think this precludes them from going out and signing somebody else of note. I don't think it precludes them from drafting a tackle in the first or the second round, right? I mean, even though Wiley signed a three-year deal, have not seen the terms yet, but, you know, presumably there's an out after their second year at, at least. Um and, you know, Charles Leno has, if they were to actually release Charles Leno, that would be a pretty big cap savings that would come come in. I, I'm not saying they would do that, but this is also how Charles Leno got released by the Bears. They drafted uh, Tevin Jenkins in the second round, moved on from Leno, uh, got rid of his contract. I, I, you know, like I said, I, I feel like Washington's offensive line is, I don't know if it's even better. I just think that they've added new people and the hope is they can stay healthy. Um, inside right now, you know, today, Tyler Larson officially re-signed. Uh, there's that Nick Gates, who was one of their other free agents. He, uh, he spoke with us today as well. He told us that he views himself more of a center than a guard, even though he played guard for the giants a lot last year and that he thinks he'll play center here mostly. Now, if that's accurate, I don't know that it is, but if that's accurate and with Tyler Larson back, you got to wonder what this means for Chase Ruye. Ruye's cap hit is 12.4 million. If they release him, they'd save around 8 million. Uh, if he's going to come back, it's not going to be at that number. It would be at a pay cut. So the question is, you know, what do they view of Larson and Gates? And by the way, for Larson, um, you know, he had a, a, a kneecap injury at the, in that Giants game to end up in a tie at, up at that uh, terrible <laughs> turf up in the, up in the uh, Meadowlands. Uh, but I was told that Larson is. In pretty is pretty good. He he would you know he could probably play in a real game fairly soon if he had to. Obviously he doesn't, but you know he, he he's in good position. And they were six one and one when he played at center last year. Not saying that Tyler Larson was the key to their year, but just saying he you know he did a pretty good job for them. So I will be intrigued to see you know what they do here. And and by the way, they can of course draft. You know in my the mock drafts I've done so far, I think I've had a interior offensive lineman in the second round each time. So. That's where they are there. Um, by the way, Wes Schweitzer has now signed with the Jets. He wasn't coming back here once Gates uh, was signed, but, um, you know, take that for what it's worth. Um, so we'll see. I think they've still got some moves to make there. And again, if, if there's a tackle in particular, or even in an interior offensive lineman in, in the first couple of rounds, it would, not be, it would not stun me if they took one, and it would be reasonable, I think, to do so. Uh, the defensive line. Obviously not a ton here to worry about, especially now that Deron Payne is under contract. Uh, they're still we're still waiting to see what they're going to do with Chase Young's fifth year option, but they've got a couple of months to get through that. 
they did re-sign F.A. Obata for you know a deal worth up to $3 million, a one-year deal. Totally reasonable. Uh, I thought Obata had a really good year last year for what he's asked to do. You know, uh, As we've said before, between Obata, James Smith-Williams, Casey Suhill, really didn't hear too much about missing Chase Young last year, or at least, you know, you missed the upside, but it wasn't, these guys weren't liabilities. Obata could play inside. And, you know, in terms of a guy in the locker room, like to me, he's the definition of a positive locker room guy, always in a good mood. He was the guy in charge of uh, being the DJ. I have no idea why that happened, but, uh, you know, he clearly had a lot of fun as he enjoyed his, his, his teammates and vice versa. So good to bring him uh, back. To that end, I think they almost basically have their room kind of filled, right? I'm doing this off the top of my head. You've got Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Smith Williams, Two Hill, Obata at the end. At tackle, you have John Allen, Deron Payne, mm-hmm. Fedarian Mathis, and John Ridgeway. Now, I'm not even counting Shaka Tony or William Bradley King or anybody else on the practice squad, but they've got a group, right? Um, the one thing I could see them still doing, and this is probably more of a draft thing, is perhaps mm-hmm. drafting a defensive end in part because, um, you know, it's conceivable that either Chase Young or Montez Sweat is gone after a year because of the way things are unfolding with the money at that line. So, you know, and plus I think Smith Williams and Two Hill are coming into the last year of their deal. So it wouldn't stun me if they do add uh, a young defensive end for depth and maybe for the future. Uh, linebacker. So, of course, we know what's going on here. They signed Cody Barton this week. Uh, Cole Holcomb, today, uh, official, he's signing with the Steelers. They're, it's being called a three-year deal, I was told. $18 million val- max value. I, I got to see what this deal is like. That that's, that seems like, you know, as we all know, you don't buy the, the first number that we're told. That one seems potentially egregious, but... Who knows? Holcomb's a, a totally good player, totally fine. But, you know, I don't think of him as like a, you know, complete stud. And that seems like a good amount of money if it was actually real money for that position this year. So whatever it comes into, he is out. Um, I, you know, I've told you guys before, my view is Cody Barton got $3.5 million, uh, guaranteed with another up to $1 million they could get from incentives. I understand that's not a huge number relative to other NFL positions, but this isn't a team that plays linebackers. They used three linebackers last year on a whopping total of four snaps. Uh, three linebackers, meaning with the 4-3 defense. Um, Cody Barton is here to play Mike linebacker. Now, of course, you never know what's going to happen if somebody just, you know, I'm making this up completely, but if Bobby Wagner calls you up and says, hey, I really want to play here. I'll play for one year, $3 million. Okay, you make it. You, you work that out. But, I mean, other than that, or there's just some prospect in the draft you have to take, I just don't see that they're going to be adding anybody that I would think, wow, is into the starting competition for sure. Could be, but I just don't – I wouldn't think that would be logical. Again, last year we questioned, did they even have a – did they have one single guy off the bench that they could start if needed? The answer was not really, but – so that's why I just don't see – all this, I know a lot of people have been asking me about this. I just don't see it as a something to do, but we'll see. Uh, cornerback, on the other hand, I do think this is where probably the biggest place that they can make a move still. Now, they re-signed Danny Johnson, and they picked up Cameron Dantzler off waivers from Minnesota. I think those two guys could be your fourth and fifth cornerbacks. 
you still have Christian Holmes as well. And, you know, obviously what else they do. But I think to me, this is where that first or second round pick, I, I, I mean, I don't want to say it would be a lock that they would take a cornerback because you never know. But if I had to pick one spot, I think almost now that would be the one I would pick. Um, because if you get a cornerback, that would really, you know, whether we're just talking a pure slot or someone on the outside to move Fuller back in or whatever, I think that that, that just goes a long way. And, you know, interestingly, you know, the NFC quarterback situation is down, but not in the division. With Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, you can say whatever you want about Prescott or Jones. They're totally fine, reasonable quarterbacks. And in the NFC, they're among the better ones. So um, I think you got to add a corner. I think that's, to me, where if you're going to make another big investment somehow with either money or um, or a draft pick, I think that's the one to make it. Uh, by the way, the commanders have now spent a ton of money over the last few days. A, a ton of money for, for them, at least. They're down to a little over $8 million bucks, which is like 26th or 27th in available cap space. So they can, of course, generate more with, with, by making uh, restructuring deals and, and things like that, but um, or or cutting guys. Um, but that's uh, but that's the position cornerback is where I think I would make some moves. As far as safety goes, uh, you know, at this point, you know, Jeremy Reeves has been tendered. He'll be back in some capacity. Um, you know, he would just give you more depth. I, I don't really think they have to do much at safety. You know, between what they have, um, I think the real question, of course, everybody's wondering is what's up with Cam Curl's extension. Um, you know, haven't heard a ton about it, but honestly, this is one of those deals, you know, that's going to get pushed back till after the draft and 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 later on. There's no real urgency from Washington then to get to get this done. I know, you know, last year there was this wide receiver uh, frenzy was going on, and and that's kind of why people were getting angsty over the McLaurin deal. Plus, he did skip um, OTAs. I, I just don't – I mean, I don't know. I don't, we'll see what Cam Curl would do. But uh, in any event, I think that is something to keep an eye on as well, but that's more that than it is like adding players. So that's the gist of what is going on here with these guys. Um, we'll have more to discuss next week. Oh, by the way, one last thing um, with Deron Payne. Notice this today. Hat tip to Colin Dunphy on Twitter about this. Um, a fifth-year void year was added to Montez Sweat's deal. Or sorry, to Deron Payne's deal. That freed up about another million and a half and lowered his cap hit to eight and a half million. Um Again, they, they kind of need a little bit more money if they want to do anything else, but I imagine they're going to be somewhat quiet at this point up until, um, you know, they, they find some deals along the way or perhaps post-draft. Um, all right, enough of me. Let's get to my conversation with Zach Jackson, covers the Browns for The Athletic. Learn more about Jacoby Brissett here on the Standard Group Only Podcast. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, the Washington Commanders have a new quarterback with Jacoby Brissett, so who better to ask what Washington is getting than the guy who covered Jacoby Brissett for his last team, the Cleveland Browns, and that's 
our Browns insider, Zach Jackson. Uh, Zach, busy time for all of us. How uh, how are you holding up in free agency so far? Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, listen, Ben, compared to last year, compared to exactly a week ago, uh, or exactly a year ago, excuse me, when they signed to Sean Watson out of nowhere, this is like cake. So um, <laughs> it's good. And, you know, they did the Deshaun deal on Friday afternoon. They finalized it on Friday night and on Saturday morning, they signed Jacoby Brissett. And there were so many unknowns then. Um, but, you know, so he was here for 51 weeks and, you know, he'll be remembered finally in Cleveland. That's for sure. So, you know, you're right. I mean, obviously you had an unbelievable circumstance last year um, with, with everything that went on with Deshaun Watson. And, you know, they bring in Jacoby Brissett to be, all right, we at least have this placeholder here. Usually the placeholder is for a young quarterback versus a guy who's suspended for 11 weeks, but that's the situation you had. And it seemed totally reasonable to have Brissett be that kind of a guy. Uh, so based on that, how do you think he ultimately did now that you got his, your sort of first look uh, up close at him as a, you know, relatively speaking, uh, he started 11 games. So you're the starter for most of the year. Yeah. You know, if you grade him on, on the Browns curve and you grade him for the circumstances and what he was asked to do, he gets an A and, and that might be light. It might be an A plus. Um, calming presence, likable, always working, um, you know, from what coaches dream of, right. What it looks like in practice, what it's supposed to sound like on the sideline goes to the huddle, goes to the formation. And even after he wasn't playing anymore, he was coaching Deshaun Watson. We were watching him. It wasn't just in practice on Sunday afternoons. He was, so he's a smart guy, Ben. He's seen it all. You go back to his rookie year when the Patriots drafted him and thought they would develop him for a couple of years. And then like the third week of the season, he's playing a Thursday night game because Brady was suspended and Jimmy G was hurt. So he, he's been around. Uh, he was traded the next year by the Patriots two days before the season started. Um, he's, he, he's seen a little bit of everything. So in terms of what you're going to get and in, in what he's going to do as far as impressing the coaches and make it look like it, I mean, he is a dream, and this is a great situation for him. Um, he played statistically some of his best. He played to the eye test some of his best. He had a really bad interception late in the game that cost him, but – the Browns were drawn to his smarts, his experience, the fact that he doesn't turn the ball over. Um, I would say for the most part, he did those things. I would say for the most part, he threw better passes and stayed poised in weird circumstances, both on the field and the whole shitstorm that was the Browns, right? So um, he probably thinks that that he's better and that he can make this a long-term thing. Um you know, I don't know. The market certainly doesn't say that, right? But he's a he's an impressive guy. He's an entertaining guy. And as far as like the storm that's still going on where you are, Ben, like he's not going to be phased by any of that. He's going to come in and he's going to do what he's asked and a little bit more to get the team ready to play uh, week in and week out. Um. Yeah. No, that's a great point about uh not being phased by this chaos after what he went through last year. And you mentioned New England, where you know they were having a lot of their own chaos at, at that moment with Brady. And there was always a lot of attention on them as well. So that part is certainly good uh, for, for sure. I guess it's ultimately, you know, look, when you, when you have a stopgap type guy, which is effectively what he is, like you said, the market reflects that based on, you know, the one year deal, relatively light salary. If you're going to claim he's even the starter, um, it does say something about him. I mean, uh, I guess I'm trying to think like if you rank like if you put like all the put everybody in the schoolyard pick and say go draft quarterbacks. I don't know that he's one of the 32 guys 
that's going to get out there. And that's why it's like, the, it, you know, there's all these guys. It's like Fitzpatrick was this way, Taylor Heineke now. Like they're, they're, yeah, they're kind of good. I don't know. I don't want to have to go to them, but if I do, they're okay, but it's not great. And that's what's kind of, I'm trying to figure out how to process this in the context of Washington. When you have a guy like Sam Howell, who he's not a first round pick, like, the, it, you know, there's hope, yeah, but but it's not like it's a stopgap for what? It's not and well. I'm, yeah, no, I, I would just tell you that he's he's big and can throw it a mile. Um, he's not fast, but he's a great quarterback sneaker. You know, he's he's not as mobile as Taylor Henneke was, right? Uh, but he will stand in there. Um, he was he remained the designated sneaker even after Watson came back. Um, very smart guy. Always wanted to be a basketball player. He came in at 6'2", 6'3", instead of 6'6". You know, um, big arm. He's refined it. You know, I think he makes the top 32 draft. I think his body of work says that, but that doesn't mean he makes the top 25 draft. That's the way I would answer that. And I would say that, you know, he's an upgrade on a lot of guys. Um, is he limited? Yes. Is he talented? Yes. Um, I, I think... Knowing what I know about Washington, I think they could have done a lot worse with this. And I don't think he's going to win them the Super Bowl, but I won't be surprised if he starts and I won't be surprised if he's given him a chance, you know, most weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sort of crafting a story in my head, which is to say, if you look at it on paper, you could make a case that Washington might have the worst quarterback situation in the league. There's arguments for Tampa Bay and couple others but like i'm saying Atlanta, yeah yeah but yeah. But, you know, but at least they're in that sort of discussion sure while simultaneously saying they've actually improved over what they had last year when they went eight eight and one because carson wentz you know I, uh brissette doesn't have carson's like upside arm talent but he's way way steadier right he's not gonna have oh. the, all the yes. all, all the mistakes that wentz had and you know same thing with with, with taylor heineke i mean you know a fun player Thoroughly enjoyed his time and and like he did a really good job coming off the bench, but you know it's a, it, offense is kind of chaotic at times and he's limited in a lot of ways. Brissett could be better than that, and that's what makes makes it interesting in the context of this team. Does, if he is actually better, does that mean they can get the ten wins? Maybe. Uh, th yeah, that, that that seems like the ceiling. But I would agree with what you said. I was there week seventeen. I saw how bad Carson Wentz was. I heard <laughs> right. the boos. I saw the people in front of us wait around after the game to boo Carson Wentz off the field. Right, you know? right. So I'm not saying that Jacoby's not going to go out there and melt against the Eagles, right? But like, no, I, I think he gives you a chance. Um, back last June, before we had a verdict, before any of this, I just asked Jacoby, you know. Are you a backup? Are you a journeyman? Is this crazy lot? Is this what you've chosen? And he was like, no, I think I'm a starter. And he said, no, I understand everybody can say that, but I've seen a lot in this league. I'm not old. I think I can play better. And I'll tell you what, after the first week of the season, and, and this this could be explained away by the, the crazy preseason that the Browns had, he did play better. Uh, you know, statistically, he was coming in as a top 10, 12 quarterback. And nobody thinks he's that. Uh, and like I said, there were times his limitations showed up. And there were times his limitations clashed with Kevin Stefanski's ultra-aggressive mindset. But he played better than anyone expected. And from someone who covered a team for a long time, who consistently had the worst quarterback situation in the league or was in the discussion that you mentioned, he was a big upgrade on that. So, yes, if he ends up being a significant upgrade on Carson Wentz and, and gives the commanders a chance to win, you know, nine-ish, ten-ish games and be in it, um, then, then I will not be surprised. 
you know, one thing that I think is interesting, like if you look at Washington's team, they obviously have a pretty good defense, you know, ranked like ninth in DVOA last year. They've kept around Payne. If they add a cornerback, you know, they're pretty strong. They could be even better than what they did. They've got playmakers with receivers like Terry McLaurin. You've got a run game with Brian Robinson. They've got to upgrade their offensive line. They've taken steps towards that. But my point is, like, they have a lot of other pieces. And as long as the quarterback, look, you got to make plays, but as long as they also don't, like, contribute to with negative plays, they could be in a good spot. And one thing that stands out to me, I'm looking here on uh, Pro Football Focus has a stat uh, turnover-worthy passes. Ranking number one is bad here. Taylor Heineke was number one last year at 6.3%. Jacoby Brissett was 22 at 3.1%. If he doesn't turn the ball over, but can still at least, you know, make enough plays, doesn't have to be spectacular, but, you know, let everybody else do their thing, that by itself could be a winning formula. Did you get a sense that that was Brissett's pretty, pretty solid when it comes to, you know, not turn the ball over and, and making, you know, just unfortunate mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. And like I said, it, he, he threw a really bad one uh, late in the chargers game, a game the Browns easily could have won one of those back and forth games. The bad teams find a way to lose. Right. I think Stefanski put him in bad situations on a couple of other occasions, but I was doing the same thing last year that you're doing, Ben, I was scrambling. And I think it was like for his career, um, you know, 1.2% interception rate or something like that when, when the average is way higher than that. And, and like I said, he he has seen it. He's played in every kind of offense for different coaches. He's had great receivers. He's been surrounded by crap receivers. You know, last year, his job really was to get the Browns lined up, throw it off play action and run it. Then all of a sudden they have a huge lead in week one. He's played really a bad game, but a smart game. And he has to take him down the field. And he does, you know, they get a penalty. It's third and long. He throws a big one over the middle. He's the first guy to bounce up after he takes the hit. He's the first guy to get everybody in the right spot. And like I said, that even continued. Um, I think when they used him as the designated sneaker, Ben, even when Watson came back, that was a little bit throwing him a bone to keep him involved. Right. A lot of it is because he's just a huge bodied person and he gets going forward, but he was so involved in the game. And, you know, not to bore your listeners with what went on, but they had the appeal of Watson, right? They had the whole uncertainty of Watson in the spring. It's a brand new offense for Jacoby too, but Watson's getting double reps in the spring because they know he's not going to play at a certain time. You know, even the first two and a half weeks of training camp, Watson's the starter getting all the reps with the ones. He doesn't get any reps with the ones until August 15th. So like he, he has handled all of that. And when you look at numbers, they don't tell the story on the quarterback, but he has played enough and in enough different circumstances that I think you can paint at least a fair picture with his numbers, right? We're not talking about a three-game sample size or him taking over some electric offense. Like, he's played on good teams. He's played on bad teams. He's played on short notice. And he's played last year fairly well um, with a team that didn't meet its expectations. But for those 11 games, nobody would tell you that the offense was the problem, the reason the Browns only won four of them. Gotcha. Uh, I'll I'll get you out of here on on this. You, of course, because you cover Cleveland, means you were also there for Baker Mayfield, who just signed with Tampa Bay today for roughly one year, eight point five million. You know, it could be some funny money, but that was the terms announced. Brissett got one year for eight. Um, Andy Dalton, who obviously was up in your way as with the Bengals and AFC North for many years, he signed for a little bit less than that. Looks like he's like likely the backup in in Carolina based on those like options you can factor in the money if you want like do you like Bursette better 
than those other guys. If you're in sort of Washington spot of maybe you need a vet, maybe you need a guy to sit. If the, if the kids are ready, how do you kind of view that aspect of this? I would tell you for one that Jacoby Brissett played significantly better in 2022 in the same offense that Baker Mayfield did in 2021 significant. And beyond that, I would just say it's completely different situations, right? Uh, I think Sam Howell is, is more similar to Baker. I think the bucks and Baker are saying, look, if this works, then we found a guy for nothing, but mostly if it doesn't, we gave him a shot. We think he can get the ball to our guys and we'll play for 2024. Right. While we get our salary cap. Right. right. Whereas I think the commanders are like, obviously they'd love it to work with how, but they bring in a guy who can help how, who can be better than than that in in a pinch and, and give them a chance. I, I probably no delusions of winning the Super Bowl, but I do think I see some similarities on the roster, right? A good defense, uh, you know, a system that nobody's going to be asking him to be Superman, right? Get get the ball to your playmakers. I think the Commanders have a few of them. So um, yeah, I, I I think for the for the bargain. That's right. And when I saw that today, it's honestly not a team I was really thinking of. I kind of expected him to go to Arizona with his old quarterbacks coach and just hold the fort down for Kyler there. But when I saw that come across, I thought that's a good fit. And I would just, you know, tell your listeners that Jacoby Brissett is a good person, a likable person. And, you know, he he will do his darn. He, he wants to be a starter. He wants to succeed. He will not cut any corners. He will not sabotage any teammates in the media. He will not do any of the shit that guys do. Um, he, he will be a likable figure. And, and, you know, hopefully that will that will translate to, you know, him having success in the field. Because I think everybody in Cleveland, not just us that cover the team, but inside the organization, they're really rooting for the guy. Uh, I mean, that is great to hear, uh, especially when the last time, last year at this point, the, the veteran quarterback they added their own the his former owner was just trashing him all over yes. the place so this is, sounds like a very different uh deal uh zach I, I greatly appreciate the time i know you're busy and and got, got you here at the last second so i appreciate that um he is at akron jackson on twitter fantastic twitter handle there and go read him and his coverage on the athletic obviously deshaun watson's gonna be a big story this year so check him out on the athletic zach man i really appreciate it have a good rest of free agency whatever that means for you guys Sounds good, Ben. Talk to you soon. All right. Many thanks to Zach Jackson for his time. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast, checking me out on Twitter, on the, the website. Greatly appreciate it all. Get some rest. Uh, we still got a lot more to go through here this offseason, not to mention the owner's meeting is coming up. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Uh, that's it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. See ya.